from the 15th floor of the Energy Building, this is GNR Airtime, the podcast that explores the current trends from emerging and well-established industries hosted by the lawyers of GNR. This podcast is for general guidance only and does not constitute definitive advice. everyone, welcome back to GNR Airtime. My name is Bagus Sucaksono and for this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the various employment issues relating to the COVID-19 pandemic. And I am very excited to be introducing you our guest speakers of the week, Dion Alfadia, our counsel, and Kevin Johnson, our associate. Hi, everyone. Hi, Bang Bagus. Hello, Gus. Hi. Very nice to have everyone here. When it comes to employment, there's... Obviously, in Indonesia only, there's a lot of issues that we have been hearing since March or April when, for the first time, the government of Indonesia declared that this is a national disaster. We have seen in the media where companies impose certain measures from reducing salaries to terminating employees. So, Dion, can the employers actually do that? Yeah, thanks, Gus. So, basically, those uh, things that you mentioned, uh, the salary reduction up to terminations are known as efficiency measures, which which uh, for some companies are unavoidable in this situation. Now, to answer your questions, if companies can actually reduce salaries, uh, the answer is yes, they can, so long as it's based on agreement with the affected employees. Now, this last bit is key, though, and some might think that this actually means that the company cannot reduce the salary then. But this is actually in line with the circular letter issued by the Ministry of Manpower back in March uh, this year. Uh, so I think the emphasis given by the government, uh, which is reasonable, is that there has to be a certain degree of discussion with the employees and the management is obliged to make the employees understand the entire situation before they make the decision to reduce salaries. Now, termination is something else. Under the labor law, as, as you may know, say for uh, certain limited exemptions like resignation, uh, retirement, uh, the employee passing away, Unilateral termination should be based on a court order. Now, some other exemptions include terminations of employee in probation or termination of a contract employee, as long as the company pays the remaining contract value. Mm. So if a permanent employee doesn't agree to his or her termination, the parties have to go through the entire industrial relations procedure, including having a bipartite and tripartite discussion, going to the industrial relations court, and so on. So what we saw in the media about a number of employees being terminated, in case of a permanent employee, it should either have been agreed by the terminated employees with payment of termination package, of course, or it has gone through the prescribed industrial relations procedure. Okay, so that, that's, that's one part of it. So what does the law actually say in general about employee termination in the current situation, especially where companies suffer a substantial loss due to the pandemic? Yeah, so actually there isn't any specific provisions under the labor law to cater the situation uh, for com- companies continuing their business and operations. So one of the most common provision that many seem to think relevant is that the one under Article 164 of the labor law. So this article, it seems to allow companies to terminate their employees either due to financial loss, force majeure, or for efficiency. Hmm. So however, it is quite clear in the article, as further confirmed by the Constitutional Court decision issued in 2011, that the unilateral termination in the above situations can only be done if the relevant company is permanently closed down. So that's that's the key point. 
the company has to be permanently closed down to be able to terminate the employees using the provisions under Article 164. So terminating employees unilaterally simply because the company needs to undergo efficiency but not actually being closed down permanently is not allowed. Now the question is what can the company do in this situation? Based on the same constitutional court decision, which is also in line with the Ministry of Manpower Circular issued in 2004, if a company suffers from financial difficulties, termination shall be taken as a last resort after the relevant company has implemented other various efficiency measures, such as reducing the salary of senior management, reducing work shift if relevant, limiting overtime policy, reducing working hours or working days, not extending the contract of non-permanent employees, and retiring employees who have reached retirement age. Obviously, not all of the above measures are relevant for all companies, and the circular doesn't require all of them to be implemented at once or even at all. But if a termination is unavoidable, it will be key for a company to be able to demonstrate either to the employee or to the court that the company has implemented certain efficiency measures before making the decision to terminate. Okay, so now we know that there are certain measures that the companies need to at least try to do first before resorting to terminating their employees. If these terminations are actually happening, what about the termination payment for these employees? So actually, there are three main categories of employees uh, being permanent employees contract or known as non-permanent employees and expatriate. For permanent employees who already passed the probation period, the termination package will be the sum of severance pay, long service pay, and compensation of rights. Depending on the reason for the termination, the severance pay can be two times of the calculation formula set out in the labor law. This is known as uh, the 2x formula. Hmm. And for other reasons, uh, the applicable formula would be the 1x formula. For example, if a company closes down due to force measure or the company is suffering financial loss for two years consecutively, terminated employees will be eligible for the 1x formula. If the closing down is simply due to efficiency of the group companies, for example, the employees will be eligible for the 2x formula. Now, we briefly discussed non-permanent employee at the beginning. Uh, the termination payment would be the rest of the contract value for uh, non-permanent employees. Okay. For expats, although the employment contract seems to be similar to a non-permanent contract, but the more common view is that expat contract should not be treated the same as the non-permanent contract, and the termination payment for an expat should be based on what is agreed between the company and the expat. There is no specific statutory termination payment applicable for expats. So Kevin, one of the issues that I have also seen on the news is businesses laying off employees who got infected by the disease. Can businesses actually yep. lay off these employees to protect other employees and the continuity of the business? Okay, uh, well maybe not specifically due to COVID-19 because uh, as far as I'm aware, there's no specific provisions for termination due to COVID-19 in the uh, employment regulations. As a matter of fact, the Minister of Manpower stating that the employees were absent due to COVID-19, that is evidenced by a medical certificate, shall receive his or her salary in accordance with the law. From the manpower law's perspective itself, being infected by COVID-19 or absence due to COVID-19 is, is maybe treated similar or if not the same as other types of illness. As some of us may have aware also that the manpower itself is very prescriptive as to what constitutes valid ground for an employer to terminate employment contract. And being infected by COVID-19 is not one of them. Well, manpower law even encourages both employer and employee to avoid termination if possible. So what about the position on sick leave uh, under the employment regulations? Is sick leave or sick pay available to someone who is self-isolating or 
asymptomatic? Uh, well, we do acknowledge a sick pay. By we, I mean the manpower law. As I said earlier, COVID-infected employees are still entitled with salaries in accordance with the law. And under the manpower law itself, employees who are absent due to illness is still entitled with salary. However, there will be certain progressive reduction to his or her salary depending on how long does he or she take the sick leave. It's ranging from 25% until 75% of salary. Again, depending on how long does he or she take the sick leave. Okay, so aside from sick leave, for employees who are not sick, the term working from home of the WFH has been yeah. very popular lately uh, due to the current situation. In fact, at ANO, we've been working from home for the past four months. However, there are also employees out there whose job would not be done remotely. So is there any specific provisions uh, regulating the rights and obligations mm-hmm. of both? employees and the employers under this situation. Okay, so for this, I assume that uh, this is different from not doing his or her task due to illness and work from home, yeah. So in this case, employees who are not sick but unable to perform his or her duties due to the work from home being implemented in their company. Mm-hmm. On this matter, one of the article in, in the manpower laws, I think uh, article 93 of the manpower law, it stipulates that no salary shall be paid if the worker do not perform his or her work. Well, some of us may have aware this uh, with the phrase no work no pay principle but there are however exemptions on this no work no pay principles and one of which includes the worker who could not perform his or her work not because of his or her negligence or the worker are actually willing to do the job that they've been assigned to by the employer but then the employer does not require them to perform such tasks in this case i think in the work from home principles the employees are, are intended or are, are they're willing to do the job but because of the work from home principles being uh, implemented to the, by the company, they couldn't do the task. So no work, no pay principles shouldn't be applicable to this. So they, they're still entitled to uh, salary. In addition to my previous point, I think one of the examples that we can take is when the employee is working from home or when the employer is implementing the work from home uh, principles to their employees and there are lack of facilities. And I think it is best for the employer to uh, provide them or facilitate the employees with the necessary equipment such as uh, Maybe they can lend them the uh, laptop if they don't have one, internet connection, etc. So that the employees can still performing their duties. Right. So the key is as long as the employees are actually able to prove that they are actually doing their work, there's no reason for employers to perform a surgery. Or salary reduction or yes, etc. Okay. So Dion, going forward, how do you see this COVID-19 and the new normal affect the working relationship between employees and their employer. I think in the short term, I wouldn't be surprised if companies try to include a quasi-force major clause in new employment contracts as mm-hmm. if it's a commercial contract. Now, this clause, I suppose, would allow them to revisit the employment terms or even to terminate if a force major or a pandemic or the likes happen. Obviously, the enforceability of this clause is highly questionable, if not outright unenforceable. In the midterm, prior to the COVID-19 vaccines being widely available, Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, companies would really need to adjust their needs with the fact that remote working has proved to be working. We've heard about remote working for the last five years, if not longer, but it hasn't really been the norm before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Now, due to the pandemic, people are forced to actually implement remote working. But those companies which actually had no substantial issues in the last six months, they may actually continue implementing it as adjusted accordingly, depending on their needs. It can actually bring some efficiency features for companies such as reduction of lease space, electricity bills, lunch for those providing lunch to their employees or even dinner. Mm -hmm. Clearly, this is easier to implement for some industries rather than others. But we often hear that uh, management doesn't implement remote working because they think in their industry, 
face-to-face -face discussion on a daily basis among team members remains very important. Well, in the new normal, they need to come up with something much, much better than that as an excuse. In the longer run, once the vaccine is widely available, companies might need to reassess whether going back to the old normal after implementing the new normal for a year or so really has its merit or the efficiency features brought by the new normal overshadow the convenience of everyone being in the same working space at any given time. Okay, so obviously hearing from what you just mentioned, the new normal will definitely be a game changer for all industry, I, I believe, especially when it comes to dealing with your employees and providing better facilities for them to work from home. And obviously there are going to be challenges as most companies in Indonesia are already facing with having to lay off their employees, having to reduce space and everything. So thank you so much, uh, Dion, Kevin. This has been a very insightful discussion. I really hope that we can continue this in the future. We can discuss things that are relevant still to the pandemic and how we navigate the various new laws that are being issued in Indonesia specifically. So again, thank you so much for joining. Okay, thank you, Baba Gus. Thanks for inviting me. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gianna Erta. We will see you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you.